Hello and welcome to the Jonesing for Sports podcast, the ultimate podcast for Michigan sports, both college and pro. I'm your co-host, Cody, joined by my brothers, Travis and Brandon. Today, we're going to provide our updated commentary on the Detroit Lions' dream start to the season, as well as give a, as well as give a quick preview to the Michigan game against Minnesota this weekend. So don't go anywhere because we've got all that and a whole lot more coming your way right now. Welcome to the Jonesing for Sports podcast. I miss the days when you guys would let me redo my takes when I get just get all tongue-tied. I don't know why. I feel like I do that at least once every intro. <laughs> Those days are long past. You're a pro right now, on. Code. I wish that were true. And we're more savage. <laughs> we're more savage, and I also still don't get paid for this, so I don't think you can even call me a pro for it. Oh, man. Well, uh, before we get into Cody's uh, intro topics, I my shower thought isn't totally a question for you guys. It's more of just I wanted to share some news with you that I think you'll be really happy. And uh, I'll give you a clue, and you guys can uh, tell me what it means. Have you ever been sitting across from somebody just having a conversation and just fighting the urge to just scream out, Yeah! <laughs> Shorzy season two. Shorzy season two is coming at the end of this month. Whoa! Yeah. Really? October. That's fantastic news. I think it's October twenty seventh. I know. Me too. I didn't even know that they started filming. I fought the urge to text you guys about it today because I wanted to just share that with you tonight. Yeah. And just sharing the happiness that that will bring us. Man, that's awesome. Man. So did they just announce it was coming back and it was going to be the end of the month, or has it been coming back for a while? Because I had never heard that there was a season two. I am not sure. I just saw it today. Well, I'm happy about it. <laughs> yeah. What a good that show. That is one of my favorite shows. Great music, great like cast, all time. great lines. So witty. We as got into that like show. one season shows go, probably my all-time favorite. Ooh, that's big. We got into that show the night after we went to Bloomington for the Michigan IU bat football game last year. Good Watched day. the whole season in one night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a fun day. Good times. If you haven't gotten in on that action yet, watch Shorzy. Worth the watch. It sure is. It'll make you want to move to Canada and play hockey. And maybe punch someone. <laughs> Man, that just immediately boosted my mood 20%. That is just fantastic, Trav. I thought you would appreciate that. So Yeah. I, I sh- mean, I hope I don't bleed out before that time comes. <laughs> but just the thought of um, just the thought of that show finally actually being made. That is just fantastic news. And for the listeners who are wondering why you're bleeding out, Code, you want to <laughs> say uh, yeah, I, uh, what's going on with you? Well, I just I was going waiting for some fish, some fishing, um, and I was getting ready to record and just noticed that my ankle was covered in blood. Um, so I, I definitely sliced it on something when I was out waiting. Um, but man, no band-aids are enough. That That blood will not be stopped, so... It is quite the situation over here, but we are recording nonetheless. 
could it have you found the cut like is it cut yeah okay no that's the weird thing is like there it looks like a cat scratch and Mm. there's nothing coming from about 95 percent of it and there's this one dot that just if you leave it there for half a second it starts spitting out blood (laughs) and it just can't be contained i was wondering if it was like maybe a leech you got a leech you sucked you nah Mm. well i mean crushed it could have he could have been there in the past, I guess. He's not there anymore. <laughs> but even then, I've never had a leech do that much damage. Speaking of blood-sucking gross creatures, uh, I was watching River Monsters last night. Jeremy Wade so is one so of my good. heroes. And I was purposefully trying to avoid watching the episode where that little blood-sucking fish swims up the oh. guy's pee stream. No. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I was purposely trying to avoid it. Like, I saw a title of one of the episodes, and I went, nope, I don't want to watch that one because I think it might be on that one. So I tried to click on one where it was just going to be a huge catfish. And it was a huge catfish for 15 minutes of it, and then it was the ending was that stupid bloodsucker. And I was so upset. Can't escape it. There's like 40 episodes I could have chose from, and I purposely was trying to miss it, and it's the one I selected. Stupid. That's because they find you. Scarring. <laughs> Read it. Hide from it. The PP sucker finds you all the same. <laughs> it's inevitable. Oh, man. So, well, yeah, it gives yeah. a code. <laughs> that was some good news turned to some really weird and gross news. <laughs> um, but back to the good news. We got some mailbag questions to address today, boys. That just fills my heart with joy. Um, So we're going to go ahead and get right into that. Questions courtesy of none other than our Discord Inquisitor, Jaren. Starting off with a banger, we got... I'm not really sure I like to give this event attention, but here we are. If the Lions played the Chiefs after Week 2, would we get the win? Would the Taylor Swift effect, yuck, give the NFL reasons to push the Chiefs to a win? So that goes on to say, also, this couldn't go any better for the NFL or Kelsey. They're enjoying this limelight from her presence. Or would the win even be sweeter uh, with more eyes on the game? We show all the Swift fans who the best in the game is. Um, And Jaron, to his credit, says he already regrets asking that question. Uh, But I actually like that question. I think it's worth talking about because if you look on your phone or your TV, you can't go more than five minutes without seeing something about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Um, It's everywhere. Like you said, the NFL is greatly benefiting from it. And the Chiefs are already the NFL's team. So I think that's something that's certainly worth talking about. But I want to see what your guys' perspective on this is. If we were to play the Chiefs after week two, uh, would we have gotten the dub? I'll let you guys go first. I I definitely have thoughts on that. So it might be a little bit controversial uh, for a couple reasons. I don't think we would have gotten the dub. And the reason for that is because I actually don't think... I I don't take as much of offense to that comment of the Lions win over the Chiefs having a big asterisk because I think Travis Kelsey is not quite the same as missing any other player. If you watched that game against the Chiefs, the Chiefs, or Patrick Mahomes had absolutely nobody to throw the ball to. If he had one competent receiver, I think the Chiefs end up winning that game. 
and he didn't. He didn't have one guy he could throw to. There were so many drop passes. It was just an absolute... Like, it set wide receiving back 10 years, that game did. And it was a pain to watch. If he has Kelsey, I think that ends up going a lot differently. And if you want to talk about the whole Taylor Swift effect, um, you know, the Chiefs having even more reason to give the Lions a win, I don't think they needed any more reason. I mean, you go no further than watching that tackle line up offsides, like 40% of his snaps. Or not offsides, but you know what I mean, um, out of formation. And they just let it go. And you look at all the times Hutch gets held in that game, and they just let it go. I think the NFL already had what they wanted to do from their refs. They already were doing their everything they could. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs couldn't win that game because they didn't have the personnel they needed. I think with Kelsey, they do win that game. And I don't think the Taylor Swift effect is going to necessarily give them more fire to pyro, more uh, more reason to help the Chiefs win. I think they're doing that regardless. I disagree, Code, but for a, a little bit different reasons. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously would have gave them a sure, some sure hands to throw to, which they didn't have week one. However, I don't think that mattered um, because the NFL would have found a way to get that the Lions that win. Uh, that was in the script for week one. And I explained this to you so many times. Don't f*** me. You know why. The, the Chiefs are obviously the NFL's team. Uh, <laughs> obviously the NFL's team. <laughs> but you get away with them being the NFL's team by making them lose week one in front of a record crowd. And now you got all year to just get, cater to them. Same thing in week two where I said, I think the Lions could lose this game to Seattle for the same reasons. The Lions are a darling of the NFL this year, and they're going to get some catering. But you get that early season loss, and now you can call it whatever way you want, NFL, because you're not you're not doing anything to the game. You're not in control. The Lions lost to the Seahawks. So <laughs> that being said, to Jaren's question, yes, if this game was played – Next week, if it, this coming week was Chiefs versus Lions, Chiefs, because Chiefs last week set the most viewed game on a Sunday since uh, Super Bowl, like many uh, years ago, Super Bowl. Uh, that's bonkers. And they, the reason was because uh, they had a lot higher female viewership because of Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> The Taylor Swift effect is in full force. The Chiefs might never lose again, as long as Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are dating. Uh, unless it's in regards to helping the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and get more viewers. That could happen. I don't believe that the NFL is not rigged. I, <laughs> I said it last week. The, the WWE has refs as well, and we know that that's a fake sport. So... To answer Jaren's question, I think it did matter. Um, but the Lions are really good. If it's not, if there's not like conspiracy stuff involved, the Lions are a really good team, and they're clicking even better now than they were Week One. That first half against Green Bay was, I think, the best half I've ever watched of one of my favorite teams play. It was amazing watching that happen. Um, they just looked like a really good team as well. So. If they play the Chiefs again, I think it'd be a really good game. And maybe they could, uh, like you said, Jaron, 
show those Swifties who who the real lines are, and that'd be awesome. But that's my two cents on the whole situation. Uh, also, Blake Lively was at the game last week with Taylor Swift, and she wasn't talked about at all. That's how big Taylor Swift is. Blake Lively's so much better than Taylor Swift. Come on, world. <laughs> Uh, I, I'll weigh in, but I want to go off track for just a second because I don't really understand like the Taylor Swift craziness around the NFL. So I want you guys to give me one NFL, like maybe your favorite NFL player, and then give me one musical female musical artist that you really just don't care for. So like, give you an NFL like, player randomly? Who's your favorite like- that you like? And like, and you're talking about a, a singer. Is it somebody we actually don't like, or just like you we just don't really pay attention to? It could care less about. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I love Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Ice Spice. Okay, <laughs> so it comes out that Amon Ross St. Brown is dating Ice Spice. Are you all of a sudden gonna start streaming like an Ice Spice concert? Does that interest you guys? No. No, I hate Ice Spice. <laughs> yeah, you, I just you went don't the, understand. the wrong direction there. I don't understand. Like, why is Taylor Swift bringing so many people to... Like, if you're a Taylor Swift fan and you don't care for football, you don't watch it's football otherwise, yeah, why that's do you want to watch don't, a football game? You don't fully understand Taylor Swift fans. They no, I are. Don't. I mean, you can be a casual, but she has, you know, millions upon millions that are crazy people, actually obsessed with everything in her life. And so, you know, they know every little thing about her songs, her pets, um, and also her dating life. And these people, I don't want to be like, I don't want to talk down too much to them, but you would think that they literally have no job or anything else to do in their lives. Um, so if she's going to start dating somebody, all of a sudden they're going to look into every little detail of that relationship and that person's life. They are the biggest super sleuths, uh, the biggest kind of joke on the internet right now regarding those, uh, this whole Swift effect is like Taylor Swift fans. Cause they're the biggest super sleuths and whatnot. Like, you know, week one, they're just like, you know, who are these guys in the striped shirts? Like, are they, which team are they? And then week 16, they're just like, oh, Nick Sirianni's going man here? What a stupid mistake. They're going to get absolutely torched. Because they, like, that's, they just read into everything and, like, they figure it out. Like, they're pretty smart. And uh, so they're like, they're like Taylor Swift's personal QAnon. I think that might be, like, a way to phrase it. Like, they are Dang, that okay. dedicated. And, I mean, a lot of times, you know, stuff that they're going to say is absolutely crazy. But they figure quite a bit out. Um, by the way, I'm not trying to praise QAnon, but... You know, it's conspiracy theories. It's digging super deep into the most minute of details. Those are the type of people you're dealing with. They're not just like casual fans of any sort of singer. They are 100% a cult. Hmm. Okay, well that that helps me understand. Um, that's that's just yeah, it's hard for me to understand that. But uh, I'll I'll answer Jaron's question. I don't believe the Lions could beat the the Chiefs even if I, I actually do think the Lions are the better team right now even with uh Travis Kelsey joining the fold uh even with Chris Jones uh the Chiefs are very good they're very good but did you guys watch any of that Jets game yeah I didn't get a chance to but I was gonna talk about that I saw the low lights <laughs> so for once actually I thought Patrick Mahomes looked human mm-hmm. uh 
and I don't know, maybe there was something going on there, but he just had a, he had a bad game. That's like you can really n- almost never say that about Patrick Mahomes. He was bad, and there are a couple plays. The one in particular that I really took issue with is it would have been his third interception of the night. He threw the ball up, and uh, the safety came in, under, undercut the route basically and picked it off. Now, as the safety catches the ball, the ref throws a flag. And he th- he calls defensive holding. And as you watch the replay, if there was a defensive holding, which it was hand fighting, they do that every play, by the way. But if you wanted to call defensive holding, it happened a full, like, three to five seconds before the flag was thrown. The flag was thrown because he saw the ball was picked off. 100%. I think that is as, as clear an evidence of basically the ref saying, no, we're not letting the Jets beat the Chiefs, than, I've, than you could almost ever see. And that's just one play. Uh, another play, you see one of the more egregious holds. I mean, we see it every week with Hutch, but uh, just another terrible hold, like another three to five second long hold, and then Patrick Mahomes escapes and, of <laughs> course, makes the play. So, I mean, the Jets are terrible, but they have a good defense, and uh, – Zach Wilson wasn't as bad as usual, but they're not allowed. They don't have Aaron Rodgers. They're not a good storyline. You can't beat the Chiefs, especially, I mean, the NFL's Instagram, their official Instagram's bio said, the Chiefs are 2-0 and as Swifties. They're celebrating the fact that the Chiefs are undefeated ever since Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift have become an item. It's an agenda. So, no, as long as they stay together, the Chiefs are untouchable. So, yeah, I think that there's not a, a really much of a chance. And the the thing about the Lions the, with the – I'm getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. We want to talk about the Lions by themselves, but it it really ties in. The thing about the Lions' victory over the Packers was that I saw some of that old – nature creeping in where the ref started to call a bunch of crap on the lions like hey this game's getting out of control and we're gonna lose viewers if the lions continue to dominate so the packers started to crawl back into the game and the lions eventually just slammed the door shut it took longer than you would have liked got uncomfortable but the lions were able to overcome a absolutely atrocious effort by the officials to make that game closer than it should have on a game where it's less, there's less difference in talent or ability, uh, the Packers are not as good as the Chiefs, where the Lions are going to beat the Chiefs in a in a game. You know, maybe they might win by one score at most, not by multiple scores. And that's the type of game that can be completely changed by untimely calls, or in the Chiefs' case, timely calls. So that's why I, the Lions' victories are so sweet, because you feel like you you beat two teams at once. Or maybe you beat the whole world because everyone's been against the Lions. The NFL's against the Lions. But in that case, I just don't feel like it's possible because uh, it's going to be a closer talent gap. And then, of course, you can't touch Patrick Mahomes and you can't touch Taylor Swift. So, Well, that kind of brings up an interesting point, Bran, because, I mean, obviously the Lions are never going to be on the Chiefs level in terms of being favored by the NFL. But you look at kind of recent events. So you have hard knocks last season with the Lions. They kind of become, quote-unquote, America's team. 
And then, you know, all of a sudden, Lions are 3-1. and one. Lions really got a head of steam behind them. People are buying into Campbell. They're bringing in the views. Is there any chance that things are starting to change a little bit and uh, the NFL is maybe looking a little bit more favorably upon the Lions or is trending in that direction? Um, I think the main reason I think that is with the recent news of Jameson Williams. They uh, lessened his suspension. He's going to be active for week five. What... Um, what gives? You know why they've had the entire season to make that decision. Uh, why now? Like, what is their ulterior motive for that? So yeah, why now, Trav? Call I get it. the feeling that you have a different take on this than Brand. Uh, my yeah, my take is the Lions are one of the hand-picked darlings of the NFL currently. I'm not saying that's going to last very long. We got to make the most of it. But yeah, you explain to me like why JMO's suspension is. Uh, I know the other guy who was suspended in the league, his was adjusted as well. The league put in their new policy. But it was right after the Lions beat Green Bay. The Lions are looking pretty hot. And having JMO is going to be real nice. Uh, that seems weird. And we shouldn't call that out because we're Lions fans. And we love to see JMO back early. So that does seem weird. I'm not saying that the Lions being the darling of the NFL is going to make them Super Bowl team. Uh, but it's definitely, they're one of the handpicked darlings this year and I, I'm just going to enjoy it while, until it lasts. Cause I think the lions are a good team also. Like let's put away all this conspiracy aside. The lions are a darn good team and that's really fun. I'm going to enjoy that. But also if the lions are going to get some NFL rulings to go their way, some calls to go their way, some rulings to go their way, uh, I'm going to enjoy that as well while it lasts because that's never happened in my life. There's literally highlight reels of why it sucks to be a Lions fan and how the NFL is Detroit versus everybody. And if that is, if there's a nugget of truth to that's not the case this year, then let's soak it in because uh, that would be mighty nice. But the Lions are going to have to be a good team still, and I think they are. So it's both things, I think, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I think you could probably count on one hand the teams that would have the, I don't know if the word is media advantage or script advantage, however you want to say. I think the Lions definitely are a darling this year. I think they will never surpass a team like a Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs or probably like the Dallas Cowboys. You mean a Taylor uh, Swift-led Chiefs? Uh, you, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, but they definitely have climbed that ladder. So, yes, we should enjoy it. I think they're definitely the darlings of the NFC North, which, I mean, it's always been the Packers. And then if it wasn't the Packers, the Vikings had some big years there. So, yeah, it's it's a brand-new day for the Lions. Uh, going back to the, the Packers game, I don't ever remember in my entire life a game – where the Lions whipped on the, the Packers so badly, 27-3 to at the half, I was beside myself. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle my emotions. It was such a new experience. And then, you know, you go back to the, the Chiefs win in week one. These Lions are setting, they're setting records for my lifetime. It's new personal bests of how they can shock me with some of these results. So uh, maybe I'm setting myself up for some disappointment. I hope not. But I am so excited about 
the new levels that they're achieving and I, I hope that they're gonna even surprise me with the levels they can get to and we don't even have to worry about maybe some of those uh, storyline battles they'll have to fight until you know late late in the season I came home late uh, after that Lions game I was watching it at a buddy's house and Cody when I got home Cody's just laying on the couch and just says, just listen. And he's still he's watching the post game coverage, <laughs> and it's just the Lions fans at Lambeau were so loud. And I came home; it was probably thirty minutes after the game, and they're at still, least. At, yeah, at least uh, they're still chanting super loud. It just overtook Lambeau. Uh, heck, Lambeau, the Green Bay Packers put out a statement <laughs> about. How much the Lions overtook Lambeau. Embarrassing. <laughs> the Lambeau Field is a historical venue that many NFL fans want to attend. Okay. okay. <laughs> she lose, losers. Well, that was a big time loser statement to dude, put out. You got to just shut your mouth and just you take just your t- licks. Take that yep. on the chin. <laughs> but they put out this horrible statement. Uh, embarrassing. Such um, a Packers thing to do. But you talked about Green Bay and some of those calls. Cody, I think, even tweeted about it. With that, it's just you can't go a full Lions Green Bay game without the refs getting involved somehow. Uh, that call where Green Bay threw that deep pass with triple zeros on the clock—that's the that was amazingly bad. That game got down to a two-score game, almost a one-score game. Oh, uh, can I jump in real quick? I have seen so many idiots on Twitter say, well, you know, it's they have to look down at their watch and then look at the snap. It's the different rule. That is mm-hmm. for the, the, the play, clock. Uh, play clock. The game clock, if it hits zero, instantly the play is dead. So know your rules before you're spouting off on the Internet, you idiots. <laughs> if the clock hits zero... You can't do a play. There's like a full half to full second of them not snapping the ball after it hits zero. Unbelievable. They just want the game to stay close so people keep watching because Amazon has paid paid a lot of money (laughs) to stream the Thursday night game. So you better not let that game get out of hand. Unbelievable. Yeah, you go, Cody. What other games are out there, like sports, where you can complete a play after time has expired and it's not reviewable? (laughs) <laughs> that's the easiest thing to review too like look at it and say oh the clock does say zero that play didn't actually happen during the game could you imagine like you have an nba playoff game coming down to the wire yeah dude hits a three to win the game a half second late but the refs couldn't tell in the moment so i wow we got real fortunate there boys we're just gonna leave it <laughs> like no that would never happen but this is something that gives the NFL just that little extra sliver of control. And I don't know if I'm ready, just kind of jumping back into the former conversation real quick, to call the NFL or the Detroit Lions NFL darlings just yet. I think the NFL's motivation might just be the Lions are exciting. We're going to keep them exciting for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. If a game's getting out of hand, hey, we might make sure that doesn't quite uh, get too out of hand. Hey, yeah. You know, they got mm-hmm. some tough games coming up. We'll give them J-Mo. Sure, let's put some gasoline on this fire, see how exciting they can get. But heaven forbid they touch our Chiefs. And, you know, they beat the Chiefs week one. I don't think I was ever on board with the idea that it was the narrative for the Lions to beat the Chiefs. 
No. Uh, week one. Because my reasoning it for not. it. It was not. It was. Trav says yes, Brandon says no. I also say no because I don't think the NFL has ever tried to be discreet in their helping of Mahomes yeah. and the Chiefs. I think they're just going to do discreet. that no matter what. And the Jets game was clear evidence of that. They do not care how blatant it is. They're going to help them win if they can. And so, and also, they tried to help them win against the Lions. They just did not have the manpower. A, a fully loaded Chiefs team has the manpower, clean on injuries, with the ref's help, you're probably not winning that game. The Eagles could tell you that last year in the Super Bowl. So hmm. that's all I really have to say on that. But to, at, to Cody's the point Lions there. are really exciting. I've never had anything like this in my life, watching them beat up on the Packers as they did this past Thursday. To add on to what Cody's saying about the Lions maybe not being darlings, um, I think you're right that they're probably just driving views and clicks. Um in two games so far, maybe there's some I'm forgetting, the Lions have had the rules expert come on and basically say, yeah, <laughs> the refs really got this 100% wrong. Like, you do not – a rules expert is there to make sure that the refs don't look too bad and basically to say, like, yeah, that was targeting or no, that wasn't targeting or, yeah, he was out of bounds or maybe, you know, I think it'll be – it'll the call will stand on the field. Uh, it is very rare to hear them say the refs botched this. And against the Chiefs, he said, yeah, I can't believe like, – he's lined up illegally every play. Counterpoint, how many of those moments affected the end of the game, though? Well, I, I don't really know what you're trying to get to there. That's very hard to quantify. It is, but in the Chiefs' situation, they called that at the end of the game when it mattered. They said no, he was lined up illegally. they called it at the end of the game when that, when that game was based, it was over. They made sure they it was over. It, <laughs> I, I think they called it to basically be like, yeah, we called it. We didn't ignore it the whole game. Yep. Uh, my, my point is, in that, that happened, and then, of that. course, the, the triple zeros, they said, yeah, this play should not have happened. 100% was called it incorrectly. So just to add some fuel to the fire, and then we talk about the Packers game where it was just very obvious they didn't want that game to get too far out of hand. I saw the same thing in the Eagles versus Vikings game a few weeks back. The Eagles got up big real big and all of a sudden the vikings they started marching down the field and I, I started watching their tackles were holding the eagles defensive linemen every play like egregiously and then there would be offensive passive interference it wasn't called it was amazing the coordinated effort between the, the officials and the vikings to keep that game close because if the eagles ran away with it no one's going to keep watching so uh, and the eagles are upper tier team you would think the Eagles wouldn't get any of that. So I think there's a huge emphasis on making sure games don't get out of hand, regardless of who you are, unless you're the Chiefs, because I think it's probably good for views that the Chiefs kill people because Patrick Mahomes, and uh, we get to see more sh shots of Taylor Swift celebrating Travis Kelsey touchdowns. So <laughs> there's, I think, a big emphasis on that. So Cody's got a good point there, I think, that maybe it's more about just getting the views rather than the Lions themselves, because the Lions have been on the opposite end of it a lot this year already. Um, so it's a good balance there. But we can uh, get move on off of this beleaguered point. I do think that Jaron had one more mailbag question, though. <laughs> he did. He did. So Jaron says, okay, better question. Of all Michigan players, who has the best odds right now to win the Heisman? Wilson, JJ, Corum, or is there anybody else that has a chance? 
Uh, Good I think question, Darren. Quorum mm-hmm. has the best chance because he is leading the country in uh, rushing touchdowns, and he's just missing on the yards, which as a running back, you can make that up pretty quickly. Um, he could have a couple 200-plus yard games, and then he's smack dab leading the race. Roman Wilson is leading the country in touchdown receptions, which still just I'm, my heart is pounding just speaking that sentence out loud. <laughs> However, his yards his yards are pretty down, uh, and that's only because they don't throw the ball that much. Last game, JJ threw 16 attempts, so we have fallen off a little bit. Our balanced offense, but the running game has gotten a little more traction. They're able to run the ball pretty well against Nebraska, who has a great run defense. So I have a feeling that Corum is going to take off here, and hopefully Donovan eventually catches up because he's been pretty terrible. Uh, But, yeah, Blake Corum is my best option. Uh, JJ actually leads the entire country in QBR. That's insane. I mean, that's more than the former last year's Heisman. And Caleb Williams has been awesome too. So QBR – he, uh, what's the other one? He has a top rating somewhere else, but I think he's the most accurate passer, um, completion percentage as well. However, he also only has like just over a thousand yards where I don't, I haven't looked it up, but I'm just going to guess that Michael Penix is probably approaching 2000. So <laughs> he's at 1999 <laughs> right now. Wow. Good guess, Bran. Man, I yeah. went over by one. So Bob Barker <laughs> is really upset with me, but I'm still proud of that guess. Um, yeah. So I think J.J. unfortunately just isn't going to have the stats, which is never it's, – it's always going to be the case for a Michigan quarterback because it doesn't – it's not a system conducive to quarterback stats. But I would say if there's a guy in this conversation, it's got to be Blake Corum. Yeah, uh, I agree. But it reminds me of a question I think you and Tool Time Thomas had on Football Frenemies preseason where you guys were discussing what stat line Brock Bowers would have to put up to win the Heisman this year. Mm-hmm. And I think similarly with Roman Wilson, like we've recently seen a ty- uh, wide receiver Heisman in Devonte Smith, but look up Devonte Smith's stats. They were nuts. Unreal. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he had the yards to boot uh, along with, I forget how many touchdowns he had. It was just nuts. Um, approaching 20, I think. Roman Wilson, if he stays on this crazy, he's, he's at nine, I believe. Is it uh, eight, I thought, right? Is he at eight and Blake's at, at nine? I think that's it. I can tell yeah. you real quick. Okay. Um, either way, eight right now. He's at eight. With almost the whole half a season to go, two-thirds. Uh, just short of two-thirds of the season to go. Roman Wilson, this is not going to happen. But he could be close to putting up a 20 touchdown. <laughs> Imagine if that happened. Okay, hypothetical here. Roman Wilson has 20 receiving touchdowns. Blake Corum has 20 rushing touchdowns. And JJ leads the country in QBR. Who's going to New York for the Heisman? Not JJ. Uh, I, Not I JJ. still need the yards for those guys. That's, that's what it comes down to. That's I the looked tough up part. Devontae Smith's yards, <laughs> or his, his mm. stats. I even underestimated it. It's crazy. His last, his senior year at Alabama, he had 1,856 receiving yards and 23 touchdowns. He also ran for a touchdown. So 
24 that's touchdowns. Just 24 does. total touchdowns. Yep. <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. So I Roman think Wilson, the safe answer yeah. is got to be Corum. You know, Corum is already a like a familiar name when you talk about going to New York. He didn't go, but I mean, like he's already in talks. Even if he continues to kind of underperform in relation to 2022. I do think that this award is kind of biased against wide receivers or anybody who isn't a quarterback or running back. So I think that with Michigan's offense, the way things are trending, if we were in a perfect simulation, let's say you're playing NCAA football 13, I think it would be Roman Wilson. The reason being, I don't think Blake has necessarily that top-end explosiveness that he had last year. He's not going to mm-hmm. be busting off the same amount of long runs, and his yardage is really going to suffer because of it. You look at these past few games, these past five games, um, he's not getting quite the same degree of carries that he got last year because we are a more balanced offense this year. So because of that, in order to keep up that same level of production, he has to be more explosive. He has to still have those long runs, and he hasn't really shown that ability up to this point in the season. That said, if we're going to keep throwing the ball this much and we're going to keep getting touchdowns through the air, it's going to be to Roman Wilson. He's clearly J.J.'s favorite target. Even though touchdowns are pretty tough to predict for a wide receiver position, if anybody's going to get him, I think it's going to be Roman and Colston Loveland. And so I don't think his touchdown production is going to slow down that much, even though it's off to a dynamite start. I think Roman's going to have himself a heck of a season. And if he keeps piling those up, some of those are going to be for very, very long receptions as well. So while I don't necessarily see either of those happening, I, I like that risky, weird pick of saying Roman could get it done. He's been fantastic. He's got a little bit it's not a Heisman moment of a game but it's a Heisman moment of a play that play last week against Nebraska the helmet unbelievable. catch unbelievable mm. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about that play one JJ not had a an, throw <laughs> JJ had an eternity to throw that and then threw it on the run somehow still <laughs> and into double coverage and into the back of a Nebraska defender's head and Roman Wilson came up with it. That's what we you were begging for about, with, like, Donald Peoples-Jones. <laughs> he knew those two uh, defensive backs would not turn around and try and make a play on that pass. He knew that Roman was going to be the only one to catch it on the back <laughs> of that safety's head. Perfect throw. Never in doubt. Well, I, I think maybe it does reframe how we view Roman because I think that means J.J. sees him as – a true jump ball threat that he could throw it up and Roman could get it where before I thought of Roman as he's a speedy guy. He can get the, the deep ball because he's going to have separation and he can take the slant for 70 yards because he has unreal speed or the screen for 70 yards. But if that's the kind of trust JJ has in him and the fact that he did it, I mean, if like Trav said, if we had a Nico Collins, we don't care how many guys are, around him just throw it up because he's going to get it or you know like what florida state does with keon coleman if roman adds that part to his game he really is a true number one receiver that i i mean you know i'm the biggest roman truther uh out there maybe tied with kb and uh that that even shocked me so uh, we're i don't know is kb out there going that's my son every time (laughs) roman wilson has a big reception (laughs) He might well, be. 
He might be. I, I don't want to speak for it's KB, possible. but I mean, if, if he was I, your son, you would you'd be proud too. So you know, just for sure. things. No, I I think there's definitely merit in what you're saying. I do just want to say though that I love JJ. From what I've seen so far up to this season, I think you might be giving him a little bit too much credit to have thought that decision through as much as you uh, seem to think he did. <laughs> I think he just started running and chucked it. <laughs> it he, he could have that faith. I think he does have faith in Roman Wilson. Um, but yeah, sometimes he's starting to lean into a bit of a gunslinger type of mentality. And sometimes that's a lot of fun and it produces plays like that. I also think it gives our head coach a heart attack nearly every time. So we'll see, uh, you know, how often he's able to continue getting away with that. I think he might get a little bit of a earful, not an earful, but Jim's going to be like, yeah, don't be doing that. <laughs> a gunslinger with a weapon like Roman Wilson, though, you got you love to see it. Oh, like, yeah. I don't, it's if like JJ's Thor and a gunslinger, yeah, you, you got, and think of all, like some heaven. of the best gunslingers in uh, football history, like, they had a great wide receiver with them. I think of Matthew Stafford just in recent memory. Mm-hmm. He had his favorite target Nakua. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> exactly now. But I was going to go back to Calvin Johnson, then Cooper Cup. I knew that's where you were going. I tried now, to go in a different direction. And now Puka Nakua, who is a rookie. And Matthew Stafford's just like, I know this guy can get open and I can get it to him. And so he's going to throw it to him a bunch. Uh it, I think it helps a gunslinger to have a guy you believe in that much. And you can get away with a little bit more as a gunslinger that way. Um, not saying I want him to be a gunslinger all the time, but we know that JJ has the tools as well. Uh, so this is a evolution of JJ that I'm enjoying. I don't know if it's the best form of him, <laughs> but it's really entertaining. Again, though, he's got to be able to get those reps in order to find out what he can and can't get away with. Yeah. And yep. I don't think prior to this season he had that experience. So now he's able to feel it out, stumble a little bit along the way, and also stumble into some sex. Success. Dang it. Take that out. <laughs> take it out. You can't keep that one. That's just a, oh. a slip of the tongue. It's fine. And slip of the tongues are fine. Started thinking about him making out with his girlfriend in the first quarter. (laughs) Holy. He he did have his girlfriend down there, and they were kissing on on the the sideline during the game. He wasn't slipping in there. No. That was on purpose. Oh, for sure. You got to think he's going to get in trouble for that. I don't know. Coaches are going to see that. Does he get in trouble? He doesn't. I don't know. He's kind of the golden boy. He might not get in trouble. (laughs) I think he's fine. That's just good television, baby. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, there's going to be some good and there's going to be some bad with it, but ultimately I think it's going to be positive for his progression as the year goes on. Yep. Uh, Cody, that was one of my all-time favorite tongue slips you've had on this pod. That's my so worst one. Thank you for that. I've, And I know <laughs> that it's going to stay in there because... Yeah, duh. It was money. <laughs> because <laughs> you don't have to live with it. Cody, you know how many dumb things I've said on this pod that I haven't Nothing edited out? Nothing that bad. Nothing that bad. And I edit, and I don't edit out my stupid stuff. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, okay, there was one time. 
<laughs> oh man oh man yeah, indeed Trav left he had an entire pod that he thought that Michigan would be better without Mo Wagner and he left that out there so <laughs> I stand by that take it might have I been know <laughs> whatever what do you guys want to talk about next do you want to preview uh, Minnesota real quick yeah, yeah whatever we're on football we're already on the topic yeah uh, I'm out on PJ Fleck, so <laughs> let's roll into Minnesota and destroy them, boys. Sky, uh, you my go Gophers. <laughs> Row the boat. Forgot that. <laughs> I did it's think. a night game, though, correct? It is a night it game. It is a night game. Okay. Uh, I think it'll be a great atmosphere. Minnesota has not impressed me at all. However, they're actually kind of like... A poor, they're built in the image of a poor man's Michigan, where if you go through their stats recently, they are running the ball pretty well. And yeah, the Ethan, top running back in the country. Uh, yeah, and Ethan Calic Manis, his stats are like he'll throw like basically like JJ. He'll be like 12 of 16 or like 13 of 16, and they'll be like upper to mid 100 yards and a touchdown or two. So the defense isn't bad either. Minnesota defense is always legit. Uh, it's one thing that they've got really rolling for them over there. That and now that their running game's gotten going, it wasn't going at first, and now it is. But I think that really plays into Michigan's hands to to play a lesser version of themselves. So I'm feeling pretty confident in this game because if you stop the run, I don't think Calic Manis is the kind of quarterback that can keep Minnesota in the game. I don't think he's going to make like insane plays. He might make a play or two because he does have a really strong arm and we've even seen Joe Milton can make some really great plays here and there but you're going to have to do it consistently to slay a beast like Michigan so I really like this as a matchup for the Wolverines but uh, you know it's at Minneapolis at night so weird things could happen if for some reason the defense doesn't travel well and all of a sudden Minnesota can run the ball then you're looking at a really tricky game where you're like, oh, this is way too close, and you're kind of like, kind of feeling a little sick to your stomach the whole time until you get out the other side. So, if Michigan stops the run, it could get ugly, kind of like it did at Nebraska, and that's kind of what I think is going to happen. But Minneapolis, man, I've seen some big teams go and struggle there. It's a great crowd there, great atmosphere at night. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I think it's going to be pretty ugly. Um, you look at in what Minnesota's, way? and for who? Huh? Ugly and not fun to watch for who? Um, well, the nobody. viewers, uh, <laughs> yeah, for the viewers, uh, because so Minnesota, like I said, does have a good defense. So I do think that Michigan is going to be potentially a little bit more vanilla and just try and bully Minnesota. Because, like Brandon said. Minnesota plays a Michigan light type of game. They're going to want to try and run the ball. I don't think they're going to have a whole lot of success doing that, said at that time. And the reason I say that is because they've had good success playing against much lesser competition. You know, they started off against Nebraska. That game was only fun for sickos like us who love to watch football that makes other people sick. Played Eastern Michigan, and like the one actually solid team that they've played so far, UNC. 
I guess uh, the Raging Cajuns haven't been terrible, but I think they are going to be way out of their depths when they take on Michigan. And I think when you play a team like Michigan, the way that you get them is having a sneaky good passing game. Usually Michigan's going to be able to out-physical you. Minnesota shouldn't be able to out-physical Michigan, and their passing game ranks 101st in the entire NCAA. Nothing to write home about. Actually, pretty terrible. Michigan, I don't think, is going to feel the need that they have to take many chances, so they're just going to try and grind it. And when they do pass, it's going to be more West Coast. We saw, like we said, Gunslinger JJ last week. I think Jim's going to try and put a little bit of a limit on that. Keep it simple. Don't give away stupid uh, turnovers and just grind this game out. I think it's going to be a typical strangle the ferret type of performance. I don't think it's going to be close, but I don't think there's going to be too much electricity going on either side of the ball. I don't believe in Minnesota at all this year. And that might be due to some personal bias after PJ Fleck screwed me out of a 20-leg parlay, but it's neither here nor there. Minnesota started the year against Nebraska in a barn burner, and we didn't know what that game was going to happen until it came down to the wire. Pulled out a barn burner against Nebraska. We just saw Nebraska last week. They're garbage. However, going to Nebraska is tough. And... Was that game, was the Minnesota-Nebraska game at Nebraska or in Minnesota? I can't remember. I thought it was Nebraska. Let's just say, either way, if it was in Nebraska, nope, Michigan just went... Minnesota. Okay. Easier for Minnesota. Uh, Michigan just went into Nebraska and just... They had their best performance of the year last year, uh, this year so far, and pounded them. Um, I think... Michigan's going to go into Minnesota and pound them. I don't think it's going to be too close. But that's why I asked you, Cody, what, who it was going to be ugly for. Was it going to be ugly just because it's ugly Michigan ball, like we, when we beat Washington uh, and never passed the ball? Or is it going to be ugly just because Michigan's going to win? Or is it just going to be ugly football? Um, well, and no one news, enjoys watching it. The good news for Michigan fans is that I don't think we'll ever, at least this season, regress back to that type of play. <laughs> I mean, I think we handed the ball, or uh, I think we passed the ball like seven times in that game, and that might actually be an oversell of how many times we passed it. Um, we ground our running backs into the dirt. And, I mean, that was a step back for running, not just in the fact that we only ran the ball, but also we would only run it right between the A-gaps. It was like the creativity there was completely lacking, and we just wanted to erode Washington's will. It there worked. is still... Yeah, it got the <laughs> dub. It was just... That was ugly to watch. Oh, yeah. And there is definitely still a bit of that in Michigan's coaching staff. They want to impose their will. If it's fourth or third and one, they are going to run it right up the middle every time. Unless they don't. We've seen at least one time this year where J.J. kept it for just an absolutely wide-open <laughs> keeper on the outside. And so that's why I think there is actually some merit to what they do there. Because once they finally really need it, they have that. They can give that to J.J. and he could really torch a team. Um, but going back to the game in question, I think it's just going to be ugly just because Michigan's not going to try anything crazy. Their whole game plan is just to be keep it simple and avoid having costly mistakes that will give Minnesota the chance to keep this game any closer than it should be. 
I don't think it should be close at all. So it'll be boring in the fact that Michigan should still run away with it, but they won't be doing it in an exciting fashion. And it'll be it'll be ugly for Minnesota fans because I don't think they really have much chance in this one. I'm out First on of PJ all, Fleck as well, but go ahead, Bren. How dare you impugn Cade McNamara's name for he not only attempted more than seven passes, he completed seven passes against Washington. Seven of 15, my friend, for 44 whole yards. 15 attempts. That is twice as many as you thought. That is twice as many as I... That's probably more than (laughs) twice as many as I thought. I'm remembering that game. 44 yards of passing. Seven was in there for a reason. It was was in there because that's how many completions they had. Uh, They did run the crap out of the ball. Uh, Blake Corum had 171 yards. And Hassan Haskins had 155 yards. So they did run really well against Washington. Um, I want to know what those average yards per carry were. I want to know what, what the average yards, uh, air time of those passes were. Oh, yeah. Because it that equals gross. about six point <laughs> something yards per catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not throwing them six yards in the air, though. No, no, <laughs> I no. I bet you they were screens. Yeah. And... <laughs> that's, that's what's Bubble so bad about that. When you run that much, you should be able to have great success with the play action, and that should lead to some deep passes. So to only throw 15 times, but then average like six yards per catch is so bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, firmly uh, tongue-in-cheek when I rebuke Cody there. Uh, That was also the season where Michigan refused to do any play actions until we played Ohio State. (laughs) That that is true. To Cade's credit. They apparently didn't know we could do that. Um, (laughs) uh, And it worked. It did. Actually, what really worked was the fact that Hassan Haskins just bullied them the whole day, and so did the offensive line. And that kind of leads to my next point. I think you are right in a sense. It might not be the most aesthetically pleasing game, but there's a part of me that thinks that Michigan figured something out on the ground last week. And I think they might be able to replicate that against Minnesota. Even though Minnesota has a really good defense, I 100% agree that they do. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball with more success, just like they did against Nebraska. Nebraska, as I mentioned before, going into the game, had the number one rush defense, and Michigan really bullied them. I think Michigan can bully Minnesota. Uh, a part of that is I they started Ladarius Henderson at left tackle. And that pushed Carson Barnhart to right tackle. Carson Barnhart had his best game this year at right tackle, which then helped the right guard, which then helped the center, which then helped the left guard. The whole thing. It's all uh, synergy, baby. And, and Blake Corum fell forward a lot. That was some of yeah. his hardest running of the year. Love that, too. So did Donovan Edwards. Yeah. It's like these boys had something to prove. Well, I still think Khalil Mullings even ran better than Donovan Edwards. I'm, I don't know what Donovan Edwards Mullings used to get great. his butt in gear. Um, and I, I hope maybe the that happens this week. Forgiveness not 100% complete for last year, but that that game got him some goodwill. That was a, some great running from Mullings. Yeah, did, did love to see it. Not sure it holds up against better opponents. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I think you, you're close, but I, I think maybe I'm projecting here I think Michigan could make it a little bit more fun to watch if they're able to get that run game continuing to evolve, especially behind a more cohesive and maybe a more figured out offensive line. Yeah, and 
I I hope that's the case. And they did really seem like they were making some strides this past week. We'll see if PJ can pull out any magic and keep this game close. If there's anybody that can do it, it's him. Um, you know, I, I said I was out on him earlier. That's only because I am just kind of speaking it into existence that he's going to be Michigan's next head coach, Michigan State's next head coach, rather. Um, not that I want that to happen. I just saw that swirling, and now I just can't shake the thought that he's going to be Michigan State's head coach. And I hate that so much. And so I am just... It's like when you have a dream about somebody and then you're mad at them, but you can't remember why. That's that's what it is. Yeah, so it's like, same with me. Like, I feel like it's already happened. And I'm also like just already frustrated been... for you, Trav. He robbed you of that 20-leg parlay. So it's like, you know what? PJ's the worst. That would have been... I would have could have quit betting because I'd never live up to that day ever again. Because I hit a 10-leg parlay that day. And then that 20-leg... All I meant, they just went... <laughs> you think you would have quit, Trev? No, I would have just slammed parlays harder, <laughs> thinking, you know, I, I know all, I know football, <laughs> and and I actually have done that because I felt awesome, and I have just lost everyone since then. Oh, no. Oh, Trev. <laughs> uh, that's parlays for you. They're tough. Last thing on Michigan real quick, Brandon's talking about how the offensive line looked great. Their defensive line has looked really good, too. And Minnesota wants to run the ball. That's another reason I think Michigan can win this game soundly. Because I think our defensive line is better than Minnesota's run game. Yep. Looking forward to the defense in this one because I'm curious, do they stop the Minnesota offensive uh, rushing attack? I think they can. If they don't, I'm going to have severe PTSD because that was the core issue, I think, with TCU. Is TCU ran the the heck out of the ball in the playoff. So I I don't – they have been literally stone walls all season up to this point. So if they can continue that performance, I think that they're going to shut Minnesota down. And Minnesota will not get into double digits. But if they can run the ball, then that's that's the matchup I'm watching. That's what I'm really going to have my eye on. So – the defensive line, Trav's boy, Braden McGregor, played his best game this year last week. Of his uh, career, probably. Josiah Stewart had two sacks, which was big. He's been kind of a ghost up to this point. And uh, Derek Moore, who's basically doing a timeshare with Braden McGregor, also had a sack. So you're feeling a lot better now about about the defensive line, not just the inside, but the outside as well. Love to see it. Well, some good thoughts there, boys. Uh, Just a few more thoughts before we kind of wrap things up here. Starting off with a guy that somehow in 2023 made his name back into the Jones and for Sports podcast, Cade McNamara. Um, What do you guys think is kind of his legacy at this point in time? Cade just went down with a season-ending injury down over at Iowa. Won't be playing the rest of the year. And so... I guess I'm just curious, you know, how do you guys still view his legacy after all that's happened in his career these past few years? I think his legacy will improve as the years wear away. So in 10 years from now, I think we look back and remember Cade fondly for leading us to the Big Ten Championship and playoff. Uh, Right now, his legacy sucks. Because of like the stories of him being a turd to JJ, just being kind of a bad teammate, bad friend. 
and the things he said as he's left to go to Iowa, it's all so recent. Um, so his legacy, at least as a Michigan player, is rough right now. But I do think as time wears away, he will. It'll get better. Um, but before I knew he was probably out for the season, I saw somebody edited a picture of a child looking oh. out <laughs> the hospital over the uh, Iowa's field and edited it as Cade. Uh, in the moment, I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then later that day, I saw he was probably out for the year. And I went, oh, well, probably won't talk about that meme I saw on the podcast then. And, and you did. And now I did. Because you know what? In the moment, it was the funniest thing I've seen. <laughs> the editing. But then when I learned he was out for the year, I did feel bad. And I am sad that he's out for the year because it was fun watching him at Iowa. Uh, whether you were cheering for him to succeed or fail, it was entertaining. And Iowa has been entertaining. And their push for 25 points a game has been entertaining. So... He's got an interesting legacy, but I think it will improve over time. I'm on the other side. I I, I think his his legacy is gonna deteriorate. I think it already has, like you mentioned. But if he would have just been able to transfer with any semblance of class, he, his legacy would have been secure as the quarterback that led Michigan back to the promised land. Uh, it had been a long time since Michigan had beaten Ohio State or won the Big Ten. Uh, they had never been to the playoff, and he was the guy that got to say he he did it. Now, at the time when it happened, it was blasphemy to to suggest that he actually maybe didn't have as big of a, a role as you would have thought. The Jonesing for Sports podcast had that opinion that he wasn't doing that much, but the the world at large would say Cade McNamara is our guy. Uh, he's a leader of leaders, a leader of men, and he teaches very valuable lessons. And now the tide has turned and everyone's saying, actually, you know what? Brandon Peters probably could have done what Cade McNamara is doing. Now that take, I think, is a little too far gone because I don't think Brandon Peters probably could have led that team to the playoff. But any other mediocre to average quarterback probably could have. I think at the time, my preference was that a freshman J.J., would have done it. I think the way that Harbaugh reigns in quarterbacks, he could have done that, and he would have another year of experience under his belt. Uh, my point is, I think he has destroyed his Michigan legacy at this point because he's talked so much trash on his way out. And uh, now at Iowa, he really had an opportunity to elevate them. Uh, they basically put a target on their season with this 25 points per game thing. And you know their defense is going to be pretty good to excellent. And if their offense could just be mediocre, he had a chance to not be the guy that only resurrected Michigan football, but could have been the guy to resurrect Iowa football. I'm pretty confident in saying that Iowa is not going to make this 25 points per game thing. I mean, they scored 26 against Michigan State, which I guess is good. Michigan State is a dumpster fire. If you're going to put up 40 on someone, it should have been on Michigan State. Uh, maybe Deacon Hill, they're backup quarterback will be a guy but I think Cade is going from resurrecting a Michigan program which I don't believe he did but he got credit for it to having the opportunity to do the same with Iowa now he's going to be present for the end of an empire because this could be what brings the Ferentz 
empire to an end because if his son is fired, I think the dad goes with him. So he does have another year of eligibility, but it might very well be with a new head coach. And maybe that's good, but, man, it's tough. I know I'm hard on Kirk Ferentz, but also he's been uh, consistent, kind of like Nebraska with Bo Pelini. Like he, they might win eight or nine games a year, but now they would just love to make a bowl. Iowa is in a tough position. All they really need is a new offensive coordinator. That's it. But they've painted themselves into a corner, and so Cade McNamara is going from restorer to destroyer at this point and i think his his legacy is looking bad on the michigan side and the iowa side brian ferentz post-game interviews are must watch tv right now though that dude is nuts <laughs> like his post-game interview after dumb. beating after beating uh western where they scored like 40 some points he was just crapping on the interviewers like we're not a bad like do you see us we just scored 40 something i was like well, one, you you ran up the score at the end. You kept mm-hmm. scoring because you know you have to. And two, Western's defense is atrocious. One of the worst <laughs> in all of college football, yeah. Which makes Western a lot of fun to watch. Like, I enjoy watching Western <laughs> games because it's a lot of scoring. Uh, their offense is usually pretty good. <laughs> but then, oh, what did he His next post-game interview was also just ridiculous. It's they're entertaining. So if you haven't seen them, I encourage you to go watch his post game interview highlights. There are more highlights in that post game interview than highlights from his <laughs> offense. You got to be careful these days watching some of those videos because uh, the other day on Twitter I saw AI Brian Ferentz give a post game. AI presser. Brian Ferentz is my favorite. Yeah, and he was saying like, I mean, you want to talk about not reaching twenty five points? How about all those snaps that our defense took the field? They didn't score any points today either. And it's just like, it's like the onion. Like, I I could have seen him saying it. I could have seen I it. I need to it check. It took me a maybe second I, to realize that it wasn't real. Maybe I got duped. <laughs> maybe I was watching AI Brian Ferentz. But that's he has just, had uh, some like, spicy ones that aren't AI. But he okay, also has exactly. like ridiculous ones that are AI. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do some research after. But there's see enough truth there and enough duped. like horribly ridiculous things that have already been said that you do have to wonder even when you see the AI ones like is that real? It really could be Uh, but Trav (laughs) I just want to give you credit just for having your finger on the pulse of this thing from the entire time just knowing and telling the rest of the world that Kate is an idiot Uh, even when he was quarterback at Michigan and you said you know what (laughs) give him flowers give him the award right now just for journalism of the year uh he told us right from the get-go when he was at michigan he's an idiot and that's why he will succeed and he (laughs) succeeded at michigan and when an idiot's on your side you love him you might laugh at him but you're kind of laughing with him he'll laugh too because he doesn't know what we're laughing about (laughs) yeah what if we went out got kind of caught in the crossfire a little bit you know he led michigan to the big 10 championship beating ohio state for the first time in ages and yet He's in the midst of this controversy where half the fan base thinks that we'd be a better team the next year with a new quarterback. And that's just unfortunate. And so at that point, you feel bad for the idiot. And you, you, you want better for him. He doesn't deserve that. But then, like Brandon said, he had to go and run his mouth, say some stupid stuff on the way out, 
talking about it's really nice to play for a defense that scores points. Didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, now you don't feel bad for the idiot anymore. Now you kind of just want to watch him crumble a little bit. All he had to do was just go with some class, like Brandon said. And I never want to wish injury on anybody. I am I'm gutted for the guy. I wish that he could play out this last season for the Hawkeyes. There's also a part of me that also wants to see him take the field and struggle every bit with them as they continue to just stumble to the finish line the rest of this year. Um, I want him to be a part of that. I want him to be present because he's just showing game in and game out that he's not the answer. And I'm okay with that being the case if you're going to talk like he did and exit without grace. And so he has had quite a fall from grace from being Michigan's savior to now being a little bit of a laughing stock over at Iowa to now just being injured and not being able to play. That's unfortunate. Uh, but I, I don't think there's really much legacy left. I think he's pretty much destroyed that with the way that he's carried himself. So kudos to you, Trev. <laughs> Thanks. I uh, I never thought I'd get kudos for calling Kate a dumb dummy, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm We'll see where the uh, end of the year Jonesy Awards end up. I think there's some good journalism that's happened out there, but I appreciate the nomination. <laughs> Absolutely, friend. And uh, kind of switching a different direction. We would be remiss if we didn't talk at least a little bit about the Red Wings because they are starting up the action for the next season, the 2023 season, this next week. Boys, I'm curious. Thinking about the Red Wings, do you, either of you guys have just one hot take for the Red Wings season this year? The Red Wings I will have... make the playoffs. Okay, I that was one of mine. That. I have three. Oh, he's got multiple. Oh. Yes, Bran. Okay. So one of them was they're making the playoffs this year. Other hot take, DeBrincat, the, the newest addition, he's going to score 30-plus goals. Ooh, I love it. Woo. As a result of him scoring so many goals, the guy assisting him so much is going to be Dylan Larkin. Larkin. Mm -hmm. And Larkin is going to be, again, an all-star. So I don't know that that's maybe a hot take because he's been an all-star a few times. But uh, with the the goal onus of goal scoring leaving Dylan Larkin, it's actually going to free him up even more, and he is going to have one of his best career point-scoring seasons. So, Mm. uh, you know, adding in the assists. So... Uh, between DeBrincat and Larkin, you're looking at two all-stars, and uh, that's not to mention some of the other guys that maybe make that leap as well. But those two guys in particular are going to be absolute stars. It's going to be cool. Like, what a duo. Uh, Larkin is already, like, kind of Mr. Detroit for this team. Uh, the, he was kind of the guy that this fan base surrounded. I mean, all the jerseys are Larkin jerseys out there. And now you bring in DeBrincat, and... Like to have kind of Batman and Robin up front for Detroit, that's gonna be pretty dope. Um, my favorite player on this team is Mo Sider. Mm-hmm. Knew it would be. Yeah. <laughs> He's everybody's well, I, favorite player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, and it, it's probably for hockey Detroit reasons. He's big and he's young. He's talented and he just brings the fire. He's very likable. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and uh, be the Scrooge of the pod. Yes. I, I didn't have much of a hot take to give, so I'm glad that you guys went the opposite direction. I don't think the Wings make the playoff this year. 
for really two reasons. One is we got to bring cat. We're getting excited about that acquisition. To bring cat was the, uh, he was like analysts say the fourth best forward on a senator's team that also did not make the playoffs last season, uh, because they didn't score enough goals. So it's fun to have that new addition, but I do not think DeBrincat is just going to all of a sudden be the gas in the engine that this franchise has needed for the last few years. Um, I do think that the wings will improve a little bit this year, but from what I'm seeing, it looks like um, analysts, and analysts don't know all, but they're giving the wings a 14% chance to make the playoffs. Telling us that they'll make the playoffs is a hot take. So I think in that regard, that prediction is following the assignment. Saying that they won't is not much of a spicy take. Um, but just the thing of it is, they've replaced like 40% of their roster in the offseason. And that's exciting. And I think that we're just a bit more caught up in the excitement about it than in the actual pieces that we've acquired. From everything I'm seeing here, we got a lot of depth pieces and some people that will be marginal improvements on their replacements from last year. I think depth gives good teams the legs to go further in the playoffs, but depth doesn't do a whole lot to improve the ultimate ceiling of a team that's already bad. And so I think those are two different positions that the wings are in. I think they need more talent still. I think specifically the East is very loaded and they're going to be pretty much buried by the competition there. Uh, you know, but it's the start of this kind of, this massive influx of new talent. So give them a couple years, a couple more pieces added to the puzzle, and they could be there, but I don't think this year's going to be the year. Goat, I think Steve Eisenman might agree with you, with because he loves a slow build. Um, that he does. But I will disagree with you on the depth part you were talking about. I think depth in hockey feels a little bit different when you're putting out like three lines of guys. When you're improving your third line, second line, uh, that's pretty important. Like if you're getting a third string point guard for the Pistons, he might never see the court. But if you got a guy, you're going to play almost equal minutes if you're a third string guy as <laughs> the second and first mm -hmm. uh, some nights. And so that's pretty important. But uh, you are right. Like you still need a professional sport, and star power does kind of trump when it comes to championships and whatnot. And we're getting closer. The signing of DeBrincat helps. And oh, who was it? I think Patrick Kane said he's buddies with DeBrincat, and was semi interested in <laughs> jumping over uh, to Detroit. He he didn't, but that would have been something. I mean, yeah. Kane's. <laughs> <laughs> way past his uh, prime prime and I spent my years hating him with the Blackhawks but I'll take talent when we're trying to make the playoffs a playoff Red Wings team is a lot of fun similarly to like a playoff Tigers team uh, when you get to the play it's just such a fun time and talking to you guys hockey's just I think hockey's the best sport is it my favorite sport? No, like probably college football, football in general. But is hockey the best sport? Yeah, I think hockey's the best sport. <laughs> and it deserves more recognition. And I want to just, just spend more time watching and supporting It's a more pure wins. sport. Yeah, mm -hmm. and for no other reason because the refs are less involved. I mean, they start beating the tar out of each other, and they just stand out of the way. Refs like, they are less circle involved. around them just like, okay, <laughs> you guys have your fun, and then we'll break it up once it gets too crazy. <laughs> Like, yeah, 
it, there's such purity in that. It's just the pure talent on the on the ice, and you get to watch them actually decide the outcome of the event rather than us talking for months on end about how scripted these games are. And these guys are so tough. Like, there's no mm-hmm. prima donnas. And if there's very few prima donnas. Or it's football, basketball. You're going to get guys who are such babies. They're fantastic athletes. They're the best of the league. But they're such babies. Like, sh- you got hit, you're going to cry on the floor. Hockey, you're going to get hit, you're going to knock out some teeth, and you're going to be begging to come back in the game. Like, it's just, it's awesome. So, the Red Wings deserve our mention, support. And that's not even to mention the chirping is that much better in hockey than any other <laughs> sport. It's just downright hilarious. Yes. It is really good. Um, speaking of hockey chirping, I watched Goon, which is a hockey movie uh, similar to... Like Shorzy. Uh, it came out well before Shorzy. And I never watched it before, but I would suggest it to you guys. I enjoyed it a lot. Goon. I'm always down for a good hockey flick these days. Uh, Got one, one other. More que- yeah, you, you yeah. do. Go take it to us. One more question for you guys. Miggy actually just played his last game as a Detroit Tiger yesterday, um, as of. We're recording this pod now, Monday night. Uh, Sunday night, played his last game as a Tiger. What a fantastic storied career he has had in Detroit. And so I want to send this podcast off by the three of us talking about one of our favorite memories uh, that Miggy left us on the diamond. There's so many uh, personal memories. When we got to see his... uh, 3,000th hit. 3,000th hit. That was that was one of the coolest sporting events I've been to. That was a lot of fun. And it was just the experience of going to that and the trials of having the night game rained out and trying to get our tickets to see it the next day, staying in yeah. Detroit in a sketchy hotel. Just <laughs> a, a, a memory that will last forever. Oh, yeah. And that's due to Miggy and going just to see try to see his hit. Um that's one of my favorites. Yeah, fun weekend with the boys for sure, regardless. Um, but, yeah, that's that's something that Miggy was able to do for this franchise. Something I've heard you say in the past before, Trav, that really had kind of like a playoff game type atmosphere. Something that the city of Detroit hasn't been able to enjoy for many a year. And he was able to do that just by, you know, how fantastic he's been as a player and how he's been able to really unite the city, give us something to cheer for, something to watch. That was a truly fantastic moment. One I certainly will not forget anytime soon because we were there, and I'm really thankful we were able to work that out. Another moment that I had that's always just kind of stuck with me is uh, when he was on base and he was next to uh, Adrian Beltran of the <laughs> of the Texan, or uh, yeah. And he's a guy that just doesn't like his head touched. You guys remember that moment much at all? It's just like Iggy would just not, <laughs> Miggy would stop, not stop touching his head. And then, um, you know, he just started getting reamed out for touching his head. And then Miggy was just like nodding his head like, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, sorry. I'm really sorry. And he just puts his hand on his head again. <laughs> like, it was just this back and forth that 
just I think was the perfect encapsulation of how much he was a troll, but also how he didn't take it too seriously, which sometimes maybe in these latter years we would have wished he would have taken it a bit more seriously. But you can never say that Miggy didn't have fun playing baseball. And uh, so that was just, he was always fun to watch. That one really always stood out to me, though. Uh, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say his triple crown winning season. <laughs> because I get so, I, I really feel like Miguel Cabrera is one of the most underrated phenoms to ever play baseball. I mean, the guy is absolutely an all-timer, one of the greatest hitters of all time. And I don't feel like people give him the respect that he deserves. And so the Triple Crown is such a in-your-face gotcha like season. People will talk up players so much. I say, well, yeah, show me their Triple Crown. No, no one else does stuff like this. It hadn't been done since 1967. And Miguel Cabrera is able to, to not only get the Triple Crown, but to help lead the Tigers to a World Series appearance. Honestly, I, I know that that's kind of like a, a sad ending because they didn't cap it off in the World Series against the Giants. But to be able to sweep the Yankees in the ALCS to go to the World Series, unbelievable. Uh, if if the Tigers had been able to win that World Series, that would be my all-time favorite sports moment. So it's just that, that just a clip under perfection but i still remember it so fondly uh it would have meant the world to to take that one but for mcgee to do that i'll never forget the fact that miguel cabrera had the first triple crown in like 45 years uh and he has that in history he's one of the greatest hitters of all time and man i mean the stats he put up uh he had a 330 average 44 home runs 139 rbis and then the very next year, he uh, he won the he won the MVP. Of course, his triple crown year. He won it the next year by hitting three forty eight with forty four home runs and one hundred and thirty seven RBIs. Man, at his peak, Miggy was a powerhouse, just unbelievable hitting ability. And uh, I don't think we're gonna see anyone that's gonna and- hit the way Miggy did. Hitting those home runs at Comerica Park, too. At Comerica, like, yeah. He went dead center more than anybody. He went oppo more than anybody. Like The hitting talent he had was amazing. Well, there's a reason he's so high on the doubles list. It's not because he's fleet of foot. The guy is slow as molasses, but <laughs> he has hit many doubles that would have been home runs at many other parks. Yep, yep. I, you're, I'm glad you brought up the Triple Crown because the view of celebrating Miggy's triple crown on the Royals um, scoreboard out in left field is cemented into my brain. Um, just celebrating that. And I'm glad you brought up that they swept the Yankees too, because Miggy's uh, at bat against Mariano Rivera. in I believe it was that series was pretty iconic as well. Getting mm-hmm. the best of Mariano that year. That was epic. So it, what a stud. He will be uh, greatly missed, but I'm so thankful that we had so many years with him. Well, boys, anything else to share before we wrap things up? That'll do it. All righty. That'll do it. Well, I think we've overstayed our 45-minute welcome. (laughs) Um, It's starting to get late. I'm starting to slur my words. 
Pretty sure I said that Adrian Beltre played for the Texans and not the Rangers. Um, so yeah, it's probably about time to bid y'all adieu. I gotta go text. clean up some blood off my carpet. So, <laughs> thanks for joining us here, folks. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you, Miggy, for all you've done for this great, great city. We will miss you dearly. And thank you for, once again, uh, just joining us on the Jonesy for Course podcast. Those words are getting slurred again. So we're going to do Saudi here. How you much guys blood keep it did real. you lose? Peace. <laughs> oh, cut it. Cut it.